0: welcome to the product management we bring to you industry experts to share their valuable insights via this podcast on various topics related to product management these include marketing sales development growth product fit and many more for latest updates please subscribe to the productmanagement.com this podcast is sponsored by hello meets the hello meets community has done over 400 meetups in the last four years they help connect like minded people meet through offline meetups and workshops in Delhi, Bangalore, Pune, Hyderabad, Mumbai, Chennai, Singapore, and is launching in Canada this July. These meetups and hands on workshops are around tech, design, products, investors, marketing, and sales. Have you ever wondered what the secret sauce of successful user research is? I'm Harsha Patel and I'm here with Ram, who is a digital marketer and UX designer. His research at Freshworks has resulted in a 30% increase in adoption of Freshdesk team dashboard. He has collaborated with the leadership teams, designers, developers to build the Joule iOS and Android app, where he and his partner did over 100 hours of usability testing. Hi, Ram, it's great to have you here with us. So I'm no expert in product management, so I'm hoping you can help me become one. I want to begin with knowing how you land up being a user research guy.
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, so actually, my journey into UX kind of uh, started at uh, Ann Arbor at University of Michigan. So I was doing my master's there, specializing in HCI. And uh, during the summer there, typically, we go for an internship. And uh, I got a chance to become an intern at a startup called Juul Health. And Juul was founded by a professor at the School of Public Health at the University of Michigan. Called Vic, Vic had done many years of research on living a life of purpose and uh, he had kind of uh, narrowed down his research into five specific acts, aspects that you had to focus on your day-to-day life and he had an acronym for it. It's called SPACE. So SPACE stands for sleep, presence, activity, creativity and eating and he said uh, if you are able to focus on these five factors then you will have enough energy and willpower in order to achieve your goal or your purpose in your life. So his research was that if you have a purpose in your life, then your quality of health and your quality of life will be a lot better. So that was the essence of his research. And he wanted to kind of build an app that would help people identify their core life values, their life purpose. And then track these five parameters that I mentioned, space and their energy and willpower. So that their overall quality of life kind of improved. And so when the team initially started out and at the time I joined startup as an intern, they had made a prototype of one section, which would kind of predict your energy and willpower uh, based on your zip code. It was an interesting thought. So they had partnered with an analytics company to do it. And they had already built the screens for it. They were designed. And so one of the first tasks that was assigned to me and I had another colleague of mine called Mandy. So Mandy and I, we used to go to coffee shops in Ann Arbor and that was really the first time that I started doing user research and it was pretty scary because firstly I was uh, in an environment that was kind of new to me and then secondly I was going and talking to random people in coffee shops asking them about an app which they have never heard of. So typically Mandy and I, we used to take turns talking to around five people. We will then introduce us to them telling we are interns from this and our startup. We are students at University of Michigan, and then we are building this app to help people kind of identify their life purpose and values. And we have a couple of uh, prototype screens that we want to show and hear your thoughts about, and when we showed those screens, generally the feedback that we got was on the screen, what was displayed was a forecast of their energy and willpower. And then there would be like a percentage which showed the confidence. So it was a literal translation of a scientific kind of a representation on a consumer kind of an app. And so the feedback that we got from people uh, in these coffee shops was, uh, what does forecast mean? What does energy and willpower mean? What does confidence mean? And how is it that everyone in the same area will have the same energy and willpower? So when we went back to the team and shared this feedback, they said, uh, uh, like okay, but we don't want to kind of drop this idea right away. What can we do to kind of improve it and make it more meaningful to the audience? Uh, We added a couple of sections. So in addition to just asking for the zip code, we asked for uh, their age and gender and the zip code. And then we would show a screen, which is a forecast of their energy and willpower. And then again, when we did this, uh, people were not convinced. They said, this is very fatalistic. Uh, I don't want to believe that I'm going to have only so much energy and willpower. And uh, as we started talking to these people, we also felt that we were kind of trying to do something which was going away from the core value proposition of the app. The value proposition of the app was to kind of help people realize that it's important to have a life purpose, to know what their values are and to focus on those. So I proposed to the team that we change the onboarding process that we onboard the users by first asking them to pick their top three life values. We had a list of 15 values, which was kind of identified based on research that the founder had done. So they had to kind of pick their top three life values. And then there was a section where they had to kind of write down their purpose. And purpose again was broken down into four parts, which was their personal purpose, their family purpose, their community purpose, and their work purpose. And then we had some examples within the app to help them kind of get started. So I pitched this idea to the team and then we wanted to kind of test it out. So we created prototypes on Azure. And then when uh, Mandy and I, we went out and we tested, people took a lot of time to actually do the onboarding. But surprisingly, when we did a beta test, out of thousand odd people that we did the beta with this particular onboarding, there was 99% fill rate. Although people took 10 to 15 minutes to onboard to an app, which is very surprising. Like Typically you want to onboard an app as fast as possible. Whereas this was the complete opposite to that philosophy where you really take time and surprisingly, a lot of them were willing to spend that time because they had never really thought about something like life purpose previously. It not only helped in making the app more human, it also kind of helped with getting a positive buy-in from the audience that we were trying to kind of build the app for. That was really the first kind of success for us as a team in terms of user research and then the whole team was kind of bought into the idea of validating our thoughts by going out to customers and asking for feedback. So initially we were doing more of this ad hoc gorilla usability testing going out to coffee shops which is by the way not really recommended (laughs) because ideally you want to plan your user research and talk to set of audience which meets a specific criteria but I think when you are short of resources and when you want to prove that it's useful to conduct research, you could probably start this way and go ahead and do it. Eventually, we were able to kind of partner with another company where uh, we would go and showcase our prototypes. And then we also went to the university and showed it to some of the staff at the university to get feedback. But yeah, that's kind of the way how I got started as a UX designer and a researcher and that really kind of uh, paved my interest towards user research because I realized that rather than building product uh, based on certain assumptions of a set of small people within the organization, it's uh, better to go and test your ideas and be proven wrong early rather than build the product and then realize that something that you've built is not really uh, going to work. And uh, one more important takeaway from that activity was that in terms of UX design, a lot of people think that it's purely about the visuals. It's about the micro interactions. Uh, we also realized that uh, the language that you use, the copy also is very important. Uh, so we used terms like forecast, which was a little bit, I would say on the negative spectrum uh, of the scale. Later, we changed that term to call it outcome, which was more of a neutral way of looking at things, and that was received a lot better. In fact, when we started initially with that approach of forecasting the energy and willpower, the analytics partner, uh, they later realized that they wanted more data. So we introduced that section only two weeks after a customer had used our app. So that way we kind of solved two problems. One was the onboarding problem was solved by introducing the user to purpose and values. And secondly, our analytics partner was able to get more information about our customers to give a better estimate by introducing it after they had used the app for about a couple of weeks. So that's kind of my intro into the world of uh, user research. And whatever I learned from that activity kind of really made me understand why user research is important. And so I ended up kind of focusing and specializing myself in that area.
0: Question two. So how does that tie in with your role in product development. Detailed
1: role in the product. So, user researcher can come into the product at different stages. So, you have something called formative user research which is done earlier in the process before even you start building a product or a feature where you try to go in and understand the problem, the needs of the audience. You try and talk with people who you are building it for you identify specific segments of people that you want to build the product for and then like typically you talk to around five or six users of each type to understand like what are their needs and aspirations with respect to your product and uh, what are the gaps that currently exist and what new things if you do will kind of help make their life easier and then there is something called summative user testing which you do towards the end of the cycle when you have kind of Uh, built at least the prototype and you are kind of ready to show it to the audience as to what you have done. Again, there, you don't have to kind of really uh, do research with a lot of people. Probably you could go back to the same people that you spoke with earlier or choose a different set of people and then ask questions. In terms of how a user researcher works, uh, primarily the coordination happens with a product manager or a product owner, depending on what the title is called in each organization. So what they help uh, with is kind of helping define the problem helping understand the customer's needs and then kind of acting as a bridge between what the business is trying to do and what the needs of their end customers are and how to kind of build a feature or a product in a way whereby the customer's need will be met that will in turn result in increase on sales or growth in revenue or reduction in cost, things like that. So essentially, user research is a process of understanding customer needs, communicating it to the business, and then enabling product development, uh, which kind of minimizes the gap in terms of what you intend to build and what the audience wants. So that's the primary role of a user research. And uh, user research does not stop with Uh, just kind of identifying the problem and then telling the team, hey, these are the things that we found out. These are the specific patterns and then leaving at that. But really being uh, closely engaged with whether it be the product manager or the designers and then making sure that the insights are baked into the product. And once the product is built to kind of get it out to the market and then test it to check what the assumptions and the insights that have been bought from the research done earlier are they really valid and it's a continuous process of iteration so you might have a v1 at the end of a specific timeline but you really go back and try to see if there are more things that you can improve uh, to make the customer's life better and to improve the product perception as a whole
0: as there are several building blocks to create the right product can you tell us a little bit about why user research becomes important in creating these products?
1: So, like I was telling earlier about what the role of a user researcher is, the main reason why we need to do user research is to really know that we are building the right product. I mean, we cannot be 100% sure, but we need to kind of minimize uh, the extent of surprise that we might have after building something and then realizing, hey, the market doesn't really want what we are kind of trying to build so there have been a lot of instances of kind of companies going ahead and launching products and then realizing like this is not really working and uh, even in organizations that i have worked in there have been cases where we kind of intend to set out and build something which we think might be useful for our customers and then once we actually build it either the adoption is low or it's something that they don't really want so there's a lot of cost that goes into building features and products And it's not just money, but there is also time uh, and effort being uh, put into it. And what would happen is if you keep building something that's not going to really work, uh, the motivation of your team also kind of goes down if you keep rebuilding the things again and again. So in order to avoid all these things, it's better that you have a sense of uh, what you want to try and achieve and then uh, validate in some way before you go ahead and build it to save everybody's time and money. So that's where user research comes in. Every organization has a lot of problems that they are trying to solve. Um, Typically, user research is considered to be something that takes a lot of time or it's very expensive to kind of spend the effort for. But there are kind of small wins that you can do. Like if you can identify really small things that your customers are struggling with, for example, When I was at uh, Freshdesk, one of the things that we identified was that in the settings part of it, our users were not able to identify certain areas. Just based on looking at the page, they were kind of searching for it. So simple things like that, if you're able to identify and if you're able to tell your product team, like these are things that our customers are struggling with. And if you're able to provide evidence for it, And to make it in a way where you're not really trying to find fault with the team. Rather, you're trying to help the team improve from where they are to where they could be. So it's a simple process of identifying the gaps that currently exist in the organization. And there will always be certain low-hanging fruits where uh, simple things, if you do, could kind of help the organization either reduce cost or kind of increase revenue. So identify such things. And then maybe try to find a champion that would help you In your cause. Uh, With me at Freshdesk, there was a product manager who was also very keen on user research. So we both used to kind of uh, send out cold emails to our customers and then try and speak with at least 5 or 10 users every week. That way, we were able to really understand how our customers were using Freshdesk as a product, what their day in life looked like. We came to know about a lot of things that we didn't really spend a lot of time investing and understanding our customers. I think a short answer to the question would be try and understand uh, where the organization is looking for help and then go and deliver it at a small level. Then you would get additional support and resources from your management and from your colleagues and then involve them in your process all along. So one of the things that I would do at Desk and at other organizations I have worked is to try and bring in product managers, designers and developers uh, whenever I had a customer conversation either in person or remotely so that they could come and observe how our customers were using our products, what their thoughts were. So at the end of the day, it's not about Um, you uh, talking to the customer and then going and sharing the findings with the team but they also feel like they are involved in the process and they understand the customer as much as you do so then your job also becomes that much more easier where you don't have to go and explain things to the team Uh, they are kind of bought into it already
0: can you tell me a little about the simple and effective ways to go about user research
1: There are many methods for conducting user research. Uh, One of the things that kind of uh, I really like and I think there is a lot of value to it is if you can get a chance to go and observe customers in their uh, natural locations when they are using your products, nothing like it. Uh, For example, we were building a chat product and uh, I, along with a colleague of mine, we went and spent around half a day in the respective offices trying to understand how support requests come in in the form of chats. At the time that we went in, in addition to the tool that we were building, there was another product that they were trying out. And uh, I think for a set of uh, their agents, they were using one particular product. And for another set of agents, they were using another product. So it was very uh, interesting to try and observe how agents react to using these two products and the kind of comments that come in from customers, the state of mind that they are in. And in that context, how is your product supposed to make their life easier? So definitely going in and observing customers in their natural environment is a very, very useful method for user research. So it's the technical term you could probably call in as contextual inquiry. Whenever possible, go and observe. So for example, let's say you're building a product that's going to be used in airports. So try and get permission and then go and observe people in airports as to how they're using, let's say you're building a kiosk for use at an airport. Uh, You should really go and uh, observe people in such locations where the product is going to be used so that you really get a sense of uh, the context in which all the uh, interactions take place in that environment. And then uh, when you're not able to do it and go and meet people in their own respective environments. for example, I was talking with a lot of customers who are based in US and in Europe, and I never had a chance to go and meet with them personally. The next best thing that you can do is to try and talk with your colleagues who have been there and who have met with customers. So I used to go and uh, talk with our support team members and our customer success team members who used to visit our customer locations. And then uh, that kind of is an indirect way of understanding how customers set things up, how big their team is, what their day looks like and how they're using a product in addition to uh, whatever they are trying to do with your product, what are the other things that they are kind of struggling with. So that's another method to kind of get indirect feedback about customers. And then now there are a lot of remote tools that you can uh, use to either directly talk to customers or do things like usability testing remotely. One thing that I used to do regularly uh, when I was with uh, Freshworks was to try and reach out to customers and have conversations through Zoom. So Zoom was a tool that I used to use a lot. So they would do a screen share and then we would be uh, talking with them and then asking them to do a walkthrough of how they are using uh, the product and what are the challenges that they have. So talking to customers is a great way to get feedback. And then there are Uh, many indirect ways of getting feedback, like doing a survey or doing an NPS. So I think it's uh, depending on the context, the time that you have, the budget that you have, there are many user research methods that you can adopt to get feedback.
0: If you had to give our listeners a sort of toolkit of do's and don'ts, what would you put in that toolkit?
1: Um, So one of the most important uh, attributes that somebody needs to do user research is to try and stay as neutral as possible, which can be challenging if you keep talking with a lot of customers and you start observing and understanding insights. Then you start forming patterns within your mind. So a very, very important thing, but very challenging thing to do is to stay neutral and to avoid biases as much as possible. Kind of a easy way to do it or a trick to do it is... Whenever you're framing questions, to try and frame them as open-ended questions, whereby you adopt a learner's attitude in order to understand your audience. So one of the things that I observed initially when I had product managers on calls with customers was that rather than trying to understand what the customers are telling, they would uh, jump in and try to defend uh, the decisions that have made. Um, So if they have built a feature and the customer says, I'm struggling with the X or Y, then they'll tell, hey, did you try this or did you try that, which is something you should definitely not do when you're trying to get feedback from customers, because A, you're not getting undiluted feedback because you're then corrupting the user's mind with your own thoughts. And then B, generally, it takes a while for you to break the ice and then get into the customer's mind and make them speak. So if you start defending, then they are going to stop talking, which is not something you want to do. Generally, there is kind of a set of steps or practice that you could follow uh, before you do any kind of user research activity. So the first thing that I always do is to go and talk to the stakeholders. So which would be your product manager or uh, it would be your designer, whoever it is in your team that is asking for help with user research. So you try and go and talk to them to know what they understand about the problem. What is all the information that they have collected so far about the problem? For example, one time, I think we were working on kind of redesigning a report. So we went in and took a look at all the support tickets that had come in with respect to that particular feature. Then we went and spoke with the support team who were getting kind of feedback about that particular report. Then we also emailed a few customers to try and understand what were like kind of the preliminary challenges that they were facing. And then you come up with something called a discussion guide, which is more like kind of a script that you want to follow when you want to do your user research. So in that you kind of start off with uh, like an introduction, which says who you are. Um, I would typically start off by saying I'm a user researcher at this organization. And along with me, I have the product manager and the product designer. We are going to probably have a conversation for about 30 minutes or so. And this would be the agenda for the conversation. There are no right or wrong answers. We are just trying to understand uh, who you are as a person and how you are trying to use your product and what are some of the challenges that they have. Then you kind of go in and then ask them about their team, what their day looks like, things like that. Then you jump into specific questions. Let's say if your research is about a report or a dashboard, then you start asking questions specific to that. And you try and keep your questions as, as open as possible, rather than telling like, why do you think our dashboard is good? Or why do you think our dashboard is bad? You should try and frame it as something like, what do you think about our dashboard? So you can clearly see there is a difference between the first one which says, why do you think our dashboard is good? And the other question it says, what do you think about a dashboard? It's more neutral. It's more open. So try and keep things as neutral and open as possible. Try not to be influenced by the earlier conversations that you have had. And then it's useful to identify a set of people who are similar. So let's say you're building a feature which is intended for a team of size 10 or more, then you should not be talking to a team which is two member and then talking to another team, which is 10 member and then talking to another team, which is 60 members. So you try and find a set of audience which are similar. So if you talk to five or six people of that type, then you're able to understand uh, what are their common concerns so that you don't have to go and talk to a large set of people. So the thing with uh, qualitative user research is that it's not research at a scale. It's research, with a purpose. That's how I would call it. And uh, to get more out of it, you need to try and find a homogeneous set of people that you can go and talk to. And then uh, another important thing which you can do is to have kind of a discussion immediately after you have done a call or visited a customer's place to try and take notes and exchange notes with your colleagues to make sure that you don't forget everything that you have captured during that session. And then once you have uh, gathered all the insights, let's say after talking to 5 or 10 customers, you do uh, something called affinity mapping where you try and start finding patterns from all the conversations and discussions that you have had. And you try and identify like 5 or 6 things that are kind of... Common from all the discussions that you have had so far. And those would be your insights or takeaway from the research that you have done. Whenever possible, try and record these conversations, of course, with the permission of the user. Let them know that you're going to be recording these conversations, whether it's in the form of an audio or in the form of a video. And it helps in a couple of ways. One, because you won't be remembering everything that you talked about. So rather than focusing on trying to take notes while you're talking with the customer, you can focus on the questions that you want to ask. So that really helps. And then another way it helps is for you to share it as evidence with your team. So we used to have an internal uh, communication platform called Workplace. And one of the things that really worked for me was to try and make two-minute videos from hard-long conversations that I had, uh, which kind of highlighted some of the key things that came out of the conversation. And especially if the client has done a screen share, uh, then you will be able to put across your point more effectively from the audio recording or the video recording rather than putting it as your own thoughts. So that really helps. And then uh, try to involve the stakeholders as much as possible in the research process. Like I mentioned earlier, uh, rather than trying to think of research as something that you do and then publish it to the team, think of it as a collaborative activity where you need the support of team members to get both buy-in as well as to see the impact of your research on the product. So if you're not involving the product manager or the designer or even the developer, then uh, what they are hearing is only one side of the story. They are not hearing the complete voice of the customer. So try to involve them in the process as much as possible i mean of course there are many tips and tricks and tools of the trade but i think these are some basic guidelines that you probably need to keep in mind uh, when you're planning to do research
0: okay so i'm sure now there'll be various types of data that gets gathered can you tell me about how one interprets the quantitative data through user research
1: so i think most product companies tend to have some kind of analytics tool embedded into their product to try and understand more about their customers, which is really great. But I think uh, quantitative uh, information or analytics tells you only one part of the story. It tells you the what. Uh, For example, I think in one of the organizations that I was a part of, we were using a tool called FullStory to record customer sessions. When we actually went in and looked at the data, we were just seeing what they were doing without really having a clue about why they were doing what they were doing. So in order to understand the why part of it, it's really important to reach out to customers and then try and understand why they are doing what they are doing. And it can also be in the form of indirect uh, information that you get from customers, either through support tickets or through emails. But really where qualitative research uh, kind of would help is to make use of the analytic tools in a way where you narrow the scope of the research. For example, uh, one of the features that I worked on was regarding the contacts and company section of the product that I was helping with research for. And what we did is go and identify 100 power users of the contacts and company section. So we were able to narrow down uh, the people that use that particular section the most. And then we sent out an email to them saying, Hey, we noticed that we are using this section um, really frequently. We want to have a chat with you to try and understand uh, why is it you're going to that particular section around 15, 20 customers responded to that. And then we were able to ask them uh, questions in depth about Uh, what was their goal when they went into that particular section, why they were using it so frequently and what did they want to get out of it and what is it that they were uh, missing from it currently. So which is almost impossible to get just by looking at analytics. So I think analytics is very important but you need to kind of use it in a way where you can know what type of uh, qualitative research you want to do it. So they both are complementary. They are not like kind of uh, to be used in silos.
0: Now, I know you had a key role that you played while you worked with Freshworks and have a ton of experience from there. I want to know a little more about that. More specifically, can you tell me how they built the beta list and influence product direction through customer calls?
1: I have actually written about it in a blog in Medium. So if you Google what 100 calls with customers taught me about user research, it should come up. I'll try and share the essence of it uh, as much as I can. So initially I was part of like a small four-member central user research team. And then I started out with uh, researching for our dashboard. So the brief given to me was that our dashboard had really low engagement and we had to try and improve it. And uh, when I started doing that research, we were able to reach out to a few customers uh, who had earlier expressed uh, their interest in seeing the dashboard improve through our forum and through support tickets. And some of our bigger customers who our customer success folks were dealing with, we were able to kind of get hold of them. But what I noticed initially was that we didn't have a structured way of contacting our customers and getting feedback. And... Uh, which is where I would say I kind of got lucky. And uh, there was another product manager in my team called uh, Shankar. He was very keen on user research. And so what we started doing was we would go to our backend folks and then try and get a list of customers who satisfied a particular criteria. For example, uh, let's say there were a set of people who were trying to use Freshdesk, reach out to their respective customers and so would probably be using the contact section very heavily. So we would identify some people of that type. And what we started doing is we would get a list of 50 to 100 people that met a specific criteria and then email them. We used to use mail merge for these emails because we realized that if you used uh, these email marketing tools, it would land in the promotions tab of Gmail. So in order to kind of prevent that, what we did is uh, we would create a spreadsheet which would have the email of the customer, their first name and the subject that we want to send with. So we would create like a email within Gmail and then do a mail merge. And then that would go to the customers. When we started doing this initially, we didn't know, but we had a really good response rate, like 10% of the customers that you would reach out with would get back to us. And the content of the email would be like really simple and straightforward. It would say, dear Peter, I am Ram from Freshdesk product team. I'm trying to reach out to our customers to try and understand how you are using our product, specifically uh, the contacts and company section. If you have 30 minutes of your time, can we connect and talk more about it? Then uh, typically we would set up some time and we would connect over Zoom. And since most of these customers were based either in US or in Europe, these calls would be late night. I think I've even taken some calls at like three in the morning. So you try and make yourself available for the customers when they're there. So that's kind of one trick that you want to do. And what started happening as a result of this was when I started doing this continuously along with the colleague of mine that I mentioned. At one point, I think we had spoken to around 50 or 60 customers within a matter of few weeks. And it was actually getting really pretty hectic to kind of keep pace with the number of people who were responding to our requests, set up times with them and talk to. And one of the things that I did when I had done around 40 or 50 calls was to kind of consolidate all the feedback that had come in. And I kind of uh, shared that feedback with our product managers to tell them what we had found so far. And they also said what they wanted to see improved in terms of the activity that I was doing. And uh, one idea I had at that time was uh, whenever I was talking to a customer towards the end, I would ask if they were willing to be contacted again when there was some the research activity that was going on and typically nine out of 10 customers would say, yes, yeah, you can reach out to me and then ask questions if you want and I'll be more than happy to help. So that's how we started building like a list of customers that we would be able to reach out to. And then when we did that, we would ask them specifically what particular aspect of a product that they want to kind of help us out with. And they would then tell, I want to help you out with analytics part of it, reports or, dashboard or something else. So that way we would know who to reach out to when we had a particular need uh, in mind. And then in addition to that, we started like a series called Sahelu with customers where uh, every week or every other week, we would create a printed report of that kind of told who were all the people that we spoke with, how they were using Freshdesk, what were the things that they liked about our product and what were the things that they wanted to see improved. We would keep a hard copy on the table of the CEO, the CTO, the head of product. And that kind of created a virality within the organization. I had people from support team come in and ask, who is this person, Ram, who is doing user research? I want to know how he's doing it. I want to be a part of these calls. I had developers coming in and taking part in these calls. So organically, we were able to get a little bit of traction for what we were doing. And a lot of people started helping us out and started giving us uh, feedback and inputs. So one feedback that I got from a design manager was to try and start uh, doing screen recordings if possible. And Zoom had a facility to do screen recordings. And so I would uh, create two minute edited videos out of a one hour conversation and post it in another place. And that way, it was evidence-based insights that I was sharing. So it's easier to convince people that something is really working well or something is not working. And in terms of the other side, when you look at the audience, what they get out of being a part of an activity is, I had a couple of instances where uh, one customer said, I really like what you're doing. Uh, Maybe it's a very customer-focused company. Do you have any openings? Can I join? (laughs) And then another person who was uh, from Alaska actually said, I'm trying to get something resolved in your product. Maybe you're not the person who might be directly responsible for this, but if you can put me in touch with them, it will help me get my problem solved faster. So I was able to kind of connecting with the support team and then he was able to get his problem solved. So that way we were able to build a personal connect with the customers by kind of engaging with them on a very regular basis. And then in addition to that, uh, it does not just stop at listening to the customers and their problems, but Whenever possible, try and resolve the problem. So even if I didn't know the answer to a particular question that they were asking during the call, I would then go and reach out to the respective product manager to try and understand what is the problem. Or I would convey whatever the information that was passed on to me by the customer to that specific point of contact. And they would kind of take it from there. To get it resolved. I think uh, that way I was able to speak with more than 100 customers in about six or seven months. And uh, that kind of really helped bring user research to the forefront within the organization and kind of uh, create an impact. In addition to that, what we also started doing was building personas of our customers. So we created a persona and like a day in a life of a user for two typical types of user for our product. And then we created like printed cards And we put it in central location in our office. And I called and spoke with, uh, there were like around 12 squads in Freshdesk at that time, I think. And so I used to go and call each of the squads and then talk to them individually about the process that were followed. in coming up with these personas and these journey maps and how they might use it when they are building a feature later. So I think, so this was kind of the essence of what I did over there at Freshworks. And I think it had a really good impact.
0: Okay, so Ram, I need you to leave our listeners with something more to explore, you know. What should their go-to resource be? Any books or articles you think that have helped shape you?
1: In terms of books, so one of the basic books that most people have probably heard of is a book by Steve Krug called Don't Make Me Think. And then Don Norman has written many books in general about UX design. So that is a good area to kind of get started specifically. If you want to focus on user research, there is a book called a uh, handbook of usability testing by Jeffrey Rubin and uh, Dana Crissel. So that's a very useful book. And then you have something called lean UX, which has kind of been popularized and become very famous. There is another book called The User Experience Team of One, especially if you are like kind of in a startup environment and you're probably not like a full-fledged user researcher, but you want to kind of know enough to get started with user research. That's a good resource to go into. There are a couple of other books also that I would recommend. I think a lot of people would have heard about the Sprint method. Um, So Jake Knapp has written a book called Sprint, which talks about how Uh, They used the sprint approach to kind of helping the portfolio companies of Google Ventures validate their thought process. In fact, I had the chance to go and meet Jake Knapp uh, at GV and they shared a couple of case studies about Blue Bottle and about uh, a robot company that they were helping with called Saviok, how they use the sprint process to validate their prototypes and their thought process. So um, sprint is a very good book that you can kind of refer to. People that you can follow on Twitter. So uh, one of the person that I follow closely is called Sarah Dodi. She even has a course of her own. So Sarah Dodi is a good person to follow. And then another person at uh, Google uh, Ventures called Mikkel Margulis. He's kind of the in-house user researcher. So he's a good person to follow. And then Steve Portigal, uh, he has actually written a book called How to Uncover Compelling Insights through user interviews. So Steve Portugal is a good person to follow. And then in terms of medium, I think uh, uh, you get a lot of posts. Like if you just search for user research, you will find a ton of articles about user research. And then there are also other podcasts that you could kind of follow. Uh, there's one called uh, Mixed Methods. There's another one called The Accidental Creative. And then Dollar to Donuts. So these are resources that you can kind of follow to get started with user research
0: hey guys stay tuned for more episodes on the product management we have an upcoming podcast on how to use an ml first approach when building your product with karthik and ravi from cricket.com